Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I interviewed Nava Fox, who is an LCSW, a social worker, and she also specializes in healing people's relationships with food. And um, we, as a disclaimer, we had this conversation a few months ago. I think it was even before Corona. And I'm really excited to put this episode up. We had a really interesting conversation about eating disorders and why they are so rampant um, in our community. And they are not just rampant in the in the Orthodox community. They really are rampant in the world, disorder eating, eating disorders. And it's important to really understand why they how they came to be, why it's become so normal for people to struggle with this. So I really hope that you learn from this episode. It's really, really informative. And you could also watch the video on YouTube if you're more of a visual person. And I think you're really going to enjoy. And if you're looking for a social worker or therapist that specializes in this, Nava is really, really great. So reach out to her. All of her information is in the show notes. So sit back and enjoy the show. Please, guys, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and rate the podcast, comment, like, share, and that is how you move up in the rankings in Apple Podcasts, and that is how other people could find the podcast. So if you benefited at all from this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a review, if you could share it with people who might benefit, and if you could subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel. Most of my podcasts are on my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You could also see some blog posts that I've written. I have the podcast transcribed as well. Shout out to my intern. And you could also apply for a free 20-minute consultation to see if we are a good fit to work together through the principles of intuitive eating and self-care so you can make peace with food and finally ditch dieting forever. I look forward to speaking with you. Have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And tonight I am interviewing Nava Fox. And Nava and I go way back. Uh, we're good friends. And we also have a common, I guess, mission slash passion in life to help people heal their relationships with food. So if you can introduce yourself, Nava, go for it. Sure. Thanks, Gila. Mm-hmm. Hey, my name is Nava Fox. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I have been in the field for eight years now, um, worked in multiple different locations with different populations, with children, adolescents, and adults, um, families, couples, 
in the firm community, outside of the firm community, um, in uh, many different, you know, venues. Um, and I love that we have this platform to talk about people and their relationship with food, their um, just all the layers underneath, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack. There's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So right now you treat um, people with all different types of diagnoses and including eating disorders? Yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. So um, tonight, I guess I wanted to just delve into the topic. If you don't mind sharing a little bit how you became interested in that very, very vast topic. Sure. Yeah. Um, I can't really explain what got me interested. It was just something that really spoke to me. I think, you know, when people say I'm so depressed or I'm so anxious and people throw around terms like that, or like, oh, you, you totally have an eating disorder. Like people throw around, you know, mental health terminology and diagnoses um, right and left. But I think what really spoke to me was, you know, other diagnoses we can't necessarily relate to because like until you're wearing those shoes and you're in that boat, you really can't fully experience what someone else is experiencing. You can try to empathize and understand. But when I think when it comes to eating disorders, you also can't fully be in the other person's boat. But what I like is I really feel I can connect more with clients because we all have to go through daily choices of what we're going to eat. We have those thoughts of, how do I look today? Mm-hmm. Or how does this make me look? Right. Um, when we look in the mirror, we all have an automatic reaction. Um, so I find that in that sense, I can really relate and understand a part of what um, people who are struggling with disordered eating um, go through. Um, and I find that a lot of the thoughts that you know, someone with maybe an eating disorder might have are thoughts that people who, you know, technically don't have eating disorders have, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're PMSing or you're, you had a really bad day or, you know, you made a bad business decision and you lost money for whatever reason. And then you just emotionally want to eat that, that feeling is something that a lot of people can experience, not just necessarily like a binge, mm-hmm. um, a binge eater. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't necessarily have to have that label on it. I think, I think that it's a relatable emotion. It's just the behavior has, you know, I think has to reach a certain point in order to become like a, a diagnosis. One second, now that you froze on me. Sorry, you froze, Nama. You there? I see your lips moving, but I don't hear you. <laughs> okay. You see me now? Yeah, now you're good. So what I heard you say, and I think I heard you say this, 
um, until we got cut off. Uh, you're saying like everyone interacts with food on a daily basis. Like we have to, no matter what, whether or not we have sort of eating, eating disorder, we all have to make some form of choice about our eating. So it's sort of like, and like you're saying, like a lot of us let's say emotionally eat or use food to cope with our emotion. So the person with an eating disorder and the person without an eating disorder might um, be very similar in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah, I actually, that's a really good point because um, like I actually just blogged about this, like, like whether or not you like this, you have some form of relationship with food just because like you're a human and you have to eat. So, um, totally. you know, a lot of people are like, wait, you're a dietitian, you don't do weight loss, so what do you do? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I help people heal their relationship with food. And then that's could be like, that, like, that like phrase in and of itself could be so like triggering and loaded for a person because they're like, wait, that doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, I, I eat so healthy or like, I whatever, whatever it is, I exercise so much, or I care so much about my health, or my weight, and it's like, but, like, it's almost like a perfect segue into orthorexia, because, like, we were just talking about, orthorexia is actually the obsession with only eating, quote, healthy food, to the point where it's unhealthy, so you're just, like, you don't, you won't go out with your friends, because you're not sure what the food's going to be like, and you're the type of person that's like interrogating every single waiter, <laughs> like the worst customer ever. Yeah. And it's a real, it's a, it hasn't made it to the DSM-5 yet, I've heard, but it is on its way. Right. It, it's talked about in the eating disorder field. Um, and it's interesting. You, were, I heard you say, like you said, health and slash like weight. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I was actually, um, a client was just talking to me saying how, you know, a family member was saying that, you know, they're concerned for her health. And I asked her what that meant. And what the family member was not saying is they were unhappy that she looked overweight, but they used the word health to cover up her weight. Yeah. I think that it's really important to differentiate health and weight. Yeah. Two very different, very different things. Um, they can be connected, but they are not necessarily connected. Right, right. Um, yeah, that is like a common theme that I talk about with my clients and in general, but it, it happens to me that this new book just came out called Anti-Diet, written oh, by yeah. um, Christy Harrison, and she's definitely like spearheading the intuitive eating movement and the health at every size movement, and I'm just learning so much from that book, and just it's, even though I know a lot about intuitive eating, and I practice it and I use it in my practice. I'm just learning so much about like how maybe our weight doesn't have so much to do with our health and maybe like the world at large is obsessed with healthism, which sounds almost like a conspiracy theory. But when you read about the research, it's like, right, like the, the, um, the diet industry is benefiting so much from telling us like how unhealthy we are by being a certain weight when like the reality is like if you change like your shoe size, you can't. No matter how hard you try, you couldn't do that safely. So it's, it's hard because I think that we're all so 
like under the belief system of like, yeah, if you tried hard enough, if, if you weren't so lazy, if you had enough willpower, then you could be a size two. But like the reality is, is most of us women are not a size two and there's a reason why. Right, right. So just, I, I don't know, I, I love when people like know this and I think that even like if it's the first time they're hearing it or the second time they're hearing it, it still takes like time for it to sink, sink in and you're really more like planting seeds. But I just want women to know in general, like it's not really you. It's really like diet culture telling you like you're not good enough in this size and like you have to shrink your body. And to the point where there's so many people being diagnosed with orthorexia, anorexia, bulimia, like to the, like, to the end degree that we'll go to get our bodies to be a certain size to the point where we're really not living anymore and we're living to shrink our body. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a lot of causes to lead a person to come to a state of such, whether it be just despair or self-hate or just loneliness, you know, it could be many different feelings, but I think that there's so, there's so much pressure, um, both in the media as well as in, you know, in the religious community that we're living in, um, to just look a certain way and to, and to fit a certain mold that, you know, not everyone was created to fit. So yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, we can't change our shoe size. So, you know, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of anxiety. Um, and people are just not expressing it and coping with it, like you said, in just in a way that benefits them in an unhealthy way, right? right. And they're expecting. Yeah. Well, eating disorders, I'm not an expert in eating disorders, but I know it's just from like, from the classes that I've been taking and the courses I've been doing, like oh. there's someone for someone to get an eating disorder it's almost like a perfect storm like there's Mm. so many different things going on like like genetics mental Mm. components um environmental diet culture and sometimes it's not all those things and sometimes it is like the combination of all those things but it is really really more complex than than we know it but like i just wanted to touch on this when you said the religious community i actually Mm. thought about this before i've wondered why is it that that eating disorders are so prevalent in the firm community, the orthodox community. And this is my own theory because I really thought about it, but I want to hear your opinion. But I wonder if it's because like, we don't have like enough outlets. Like we don't watch TV, let's say, maybe some of us do, but let's say some of us don't, or we don't have sports. Like in, like I grew up going to high school with sports. So like eating, like the foodie, world or like the dieting world has just taken on this form of like a hobby like mm. it's like the only thing we have to talk about already. right like people use, people use the phrase let's let's do lunch right it's not like let's eat lunch it's let's do lunch right right Let, let's lunch even i've heard right right so i definitely hear you in the sense that there's and and that's definitely a possibility i've heard that you know you know in other areas that you know let's say in boys high schools you know that they may turn to other drugs alcohol substances or whatever to just get some sort of escape because because there's not enough outlets i'm curious also i i don't know why it is um i also think a lot of it has to do with self-worth and self-esteem mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I see a lot of codependency in the firm community and I've read about it. Um, you know, we grow up from a young age, you know, if we're lucky to grow up with, you know, a mom and, um, we grow up helping her getting ready for Shabbos, getting ready for young diff, getting ready, set the table, get the kids brush this one's hair, you know, throw away the diaper and like, mm. we grow it's great. It's part of childhood. And, and, you know, for those of us with families or with siblings, it's great. It's fun. But then at a certain point, you know, it kind of crosses the line of healthy to the point where it, there's some sort of codependency that's created that your self-esteem as a child becomes dependent on being needed, on being helpful, mm-hmm. on that attention from your mom mm-hmm. or whoever. And there's a lot of that codependency in the firm community just because of the culture of Shabbos is weekly. Yontif is at least once every six to eight weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And just you're a necessary part of the household. Um, so I think that um, self-esteem in the firm community is something that's lacking, honestly. That's interesting. That that's a core issue that could lead to many mental health struggles. But I think included in that is you know, the eating disorders that, you know, when you reach a certain physical goal, you could feel like you fit in. You could feel, you could get that attention. People will turn around and look. People will say, wow, you look great. Right. right. Actually, that's a good point because I've heard people, I've, I've asked so many people like, why do you want to lose weight? What does weight loss represent to you? And a lot of them have, it means I'm successful. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's interesting. It's actually something like that I think about a lot when it comes to the firm community. We, as a as a as a religion, we don't value um, we don't value aesthetics that much, right? Like the aesthetic body. Like we value like taking care of your health and not taking your body for granted. But like to the point where it's become like an obsession of like how skinny we are and how we look. That's not a Jewish value, and it's just like. I'm not here to judge or point fingers at anyone or any like systemic problem. I'm really not, but it's just like, it scares me or like saddens me to think that like we've gotten to a point. And I don't, I don't think it's anyone's fault. I really do think that it's at large diet culture, just like shouting in your ear. Like if you're not skinny, you're not worthy. And like I said before, like the diet industry is worth billions of worth billions of dollars per year. And like for good reason, meaning for them, like they're benefiting off of telling you if you just lost weight, you'd be happier and you'd be, you'd be healthier and feel better. And like, if we, if we really think about it and we really would like, like give a good look in the mirror and we think about all the diets that we've been on and how lousy it's going to feel and how actually dieting could really lead to weight gain because of all those years of slowed metabolism that you're, you're trying so hard and you're on that hamster wheel of something that's actually just getting you the opposite result. You know, so I just, I just want like who's ever listening. I just want them to know like they're not alone. So many people who are steeped in diet culture, and there's a reason why. And you don't have to be like there. There really is an alternative. And like what you're saying, Nava, like just low self-esteem because of codependency. So how? So so where do we go from there, though? Like, what's your recommendation on? like I guess using codependency in a healthy way because that could be a really beautiful thing that there's like that structure in the family. Well I think codependency in a healthy way is just, you know, um like love. Um 
love, trust. Um, if two people who have a healthy self-esteem, who know that they're, who know their worth, regardless of anything else external to them, and just know I am a human being with a soul, I'm a good person, I love myself for who I am. You know, if you have two people who have those positive vibes about themselves, dealing with each other, there's less of a quote unquote dependence. It's more of a, you know, an interaction. It's more of a, um, a shared experience as opposed to like a need or a dependency. I think when we, were, when we use the word codependency, it's because in both people, there's, a, there's something that's lacking and therefore um, they latch onto each other to fill that void. And that's really how the codependency feeds itself because then it feels so good when you're together or when, when that void is filled and when you feel needed, then it furthers the cycle. And then, you know, that gets passed on to your children and, and then to your grandchildren. And it could feel, it could very easily look like such a helpful family. Oh, wow. Your daughter is amazing. She cleared off the whole table. Like she's so helpful. Look at her. And meanwhile, the daughter just so badly wanted to hear that compliment. Right. Didn't even have, she didn't even know that that was needed, but she either becomes automatic, just seeking that validation, seeking that you know, self-esteem boost. And that's kind of how the cycle continues. So it's difficult. I think, you know, the first step I usually take with my clients is just first, just to become aware. First, you want to see, you want to look at your life you know, with clear lenses, you want to clean away any residue, any, anything you want to take your glasses, you want to wipe them clean. You want to take a clear look and see your reality for what it is, not for what you've been seeing it as. And just take a look. It's, sometimes it could be painful. It could be difficult. It could be, uh, it could be very difficult. Um, but the first step is to just see it for what it is. Be get awareness, gain awareness, look. And then from there, you seek a professional to just help you, help guide you, help hold your hand along the way to become the best version of yourself that you can be. We all have our, we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, and it's okay. Um, I think as long as we have the awareness to keep going and to keep trying and to keep doing our best. Interesting. So, so basically what you're saying that um, an eating disorder could stem from this like low self-esteem. And one of the reasons why people have low self-esteem is because of this dependency that their worth is tied into how much they help around the house or how much they um, have to mm -hmm. So So how do you, how does one like, I guess, work on their self-esteem? Like if that's the core problem of their eating disorder, how would you like recommend going about that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think that's a lot of what therapy is about, right. like therapy. Um, I think that most people could use a self-esteem boost. Mm -hmm. We don't give ourselves enough credit for the hard work we do, whether it be a mom, whether it be a mom and someone who has a career, whether it be like anything that we do, we need to give ourselves credit, more credit. Mm -hmm. 
that's a side point. I could I could have a whole separate meeting with. That's also like a cultural norm, I guess, related. Like we're talking about diet culture. That's also like a very normal. I don't know if it's a problem or just a theme in life that we're hard on ourselves or we don't give ourselves enough credit. I don't know if it's because like Western society is telling you to always keep working or we're taking a break means you're lazy. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I think that they're related, actually, because it's all about expectations. Right. Um, if, if, if you're expected to look a certain way, then you feel pressure to look a certain way. Right. If you're, you know, if you're feeling um, an expectation to behave a certain way, you're going to behave a certain way. So I think a lot of our behaviors and a lot of our thoughts are, are um, easily um, impacted by what expectations are right yeah. um, so what you said about codependency so I just want to clarify codependency is not necessarily always the reason um, it could be a reason for low self-esteem which could lead to an eating disorder right um, I think it's something that's not spoken enough about in the from community and I don't think many people um, are aware of it um, I've actually never heard that, so it's really interesting. Thinking yeah, about in terms of building self-esteem, um, I think it's really, really, really important to list um, positive affirmations a day mm -hmm. I've done, um, at different points in my life just to give myself a boost. Because you know what? When you see 50 to 100 to 200, like you see a growing list of positive things about yourself. After a certain point, you almost feel like, oh, it's so hard. Like, I feel like I did everything. Like, you actually have to dig deeper. And there's so many different layers to who you are. And there's so many different facets. There's physical, there's emotional, there's spiritual, there's the growth you've made, there's the impact you have on others, there's your accomplishments. There's so much to who you are that we don't take the time to really think about because we're, we're running, we're really always busy, we're on the go, and we're moving. And I think that's great. And I think at the same time, it's very important. So I like the two affirmations a day, um, just to remind yourself how awesome you are. I love that. Um, and if you're not there yet, to just even start searching. Start, yeah. start looking at yourself, not just in the mirror. That's not who you are. That's your external um, portion of who you are. That right. There's so much. That's just, that's the peel. That's right. it. Right. Um, and then there's, there's so much out there. I mean, you know, there's self-help books. There's, there's a lot of great authors. There's a lot of great therapists. Um, but I think the first step is to really recognize that, that you could benefit from a little boost. Yeah. And I also say, I say this a lot, but eating disorders, like, or disordered eating, it's sort of like um, the, let's say, like the safety net from like really getting into like your deeper values, mm -hmm. right? It keeps you like stuck, right? You are engaging in those behaviors or those excessive intrusive thoughts so that you have to think about like, what's my purpose in life? How could I do better? How could I show up better in the world? It's almost just like easier to be thinking about food nine percent of your time, right? Totally. So that's like when I first like discovered that in my own like intuitive eating journey, like when I was like first practicing it, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Because 
thinking about food and thinking about your body takes up a lot of time and emotional energy. And like, sometimes it's easier to think about than like your fight with your husband. Totally. You know? So, I think that like, you made a really good point about like, like low self-esteem and where it could, it, it might not come from food, but wherever it comes from, like, if that's like the root of the issue, um, even two affirmations a day can make like such a huge difference. Like it's just about really connection. And like the first step awareness, maybe the second step, just like, what could I do for myself? What could I do that can move me forward in any way? Totally. You can't drive with an empty tank of gas. Right. So even if, even if you fill it up a tiny bit, you have something to, to keep you going. You need it. And, and the goal is to really just keep, keep growing and to keep trying to feed yourself. And, and I use the word feed, not in a food way, but to really give yourself, nourish yourself, right. give yourself what you need to be the best you can be. And that's not always food, right? Not always what you know it to be. You sometimes need to expand and, and search and dig and read and learn. And then you develop new, almost like coping skills and other ways of being that really benefit you in your life and can make you feel more comfortable and happier and less stressed and just more and be able to enjoy your life and be more present. Yeah. I know that when I like ventured into the world of self-help, like it just like brought in my world and like it brought me on like this amazing journey and like I'm always like learning, growing, whatever. Uh, like I, I remember like, I first read like the surrendered wife, let's say. And then I read the five lovelings. And then I even I, I think then I read into feeding and then I read um I remember I I read like a million books at this point, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. And like that book led me to this book and the, and this podcast and this person I was just like, wow, there's so much out there and you don't have to like consume it all. You don't have to like digest it all. You might not like all of it, but like there really is like and there's so many like Brene Brown wrote a book not just me or I thought it was just me. like there's we all think we're the only ones going through it but like inevitably other people in the world are going through these things totally and that's a very important piece and I think that 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 talks to the loneliness the feeling that sometimes lead a person to just take some control to to just be and to just which could another it's another emotion that could lead to you know, eating disorders or that is associated with eating disorders, someone who could be so lonely that they just need some sort of control, some sort of something, or even like um, to just feel such low self-worth. They make the loneliness mean something that they, they don't feel worthy of all the food or they don't feel like they should. Um, yeah. I don't know if that made sense, but there's so many different layers. No, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't feel like I'm not good enough to eat. Like, I didn't, I don't deserve it. Or, right. or I did something bad today, so I have to yeah. starve myself. Or if they were starved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for, for being, like, quote, horrible, horrible, but let's say they were, quote, like, punished by, mm-hmm. by taking away food. That could just be yeah. them self-punishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which means... And, and shame and right I was just gonna say that I was just gonna say talking about Brene Brown we obviously have to talk about shame you know like and that like I've had so many people in my office like they're 
hysterically crying about something to do with food and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, you're the fifth person today. Like, of course, like I need to like replace my tissue box like every day, you know, like we're all human and like we, I, I, I always try to empathize and, you know, tell them like, I also struggle with that, you know, like I do this work all the time and I'm a human living in the world. So we're all in this together, you know? So, um, do you have anything else you want to add? I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap up, but there's definitely more Gila. There's a lot. I, mean, I want you to tell everyone where they can find you because Nava just started her own practice. Yeah, thanks so much. Yes, and my website is I'm uh, let me first share the name. My the name of my practice is Solutions Psychotherapy, located in Lawrence. Um, you can go on my website at navafox.com or you can try solutionspsychotherapy.info. Um, you can reach me at either way. You could create um, an initial consult. You can get my contact information from my site. Um, I take a lot of insurances. Feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help you along the way. Um, and I feel very passionate about helping the firm community, about helping the world and making us all, helping people enjoy their lives a little bit more. That's amazing. What it's about. That's amazing. I also yes. have a question about helping people feel better about themselves and moving forward. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you so much. This was really informative. I learned right. a lot. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.